name's Pliskin. It's all in the reflexes. You got a problem with drilling now, Proby? Is that it? We like her, Dad! Oh, you like her, do you? You like her so much you'd rather live with her than your own father? Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, I don't think we mentioned this, but the music that is that kind of rock and roll that yeah. kind of wraps that intro up is from Big Trouble in Little China. So I don't think we've ever mentioned that before. Uh, no, we haven't really talked about the intro music at all. No, ever. But yeah. the beginning of it is just some stock music we found. But the guitar that comes in at the end is at the beginning of Big Trouble in Little China when he's in the Portal Express yeah. <laughs> driving down the highway talking to the, no one, whoever was listening on the radio. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Kurt Russell Rules again. This is the podcast about the man himself, Kurt Russell. I'm Joe, along with my co-host, Ian. We're excited to take you again on a journey to learn about the movies of the man himself, Kurt Russell. And as always, here's some of the rules that Mr. Russell can give us. Uh, we're kicking off episode number five today. Yeah, number yeah, five. Yeah, five. The big five. Crazy. Man, we are flying through these. And we're going to be getting into the classic 1994 film, Stargate. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this one. I'm not going to do too much of a more of an intro here. I'm, I just want us to get into it. So, Ian, I'm going to kick it over to you. Tell us about this movie, the plot. Just give it to us here. Yeah. Coming right, <laughs> coming right at you, Joe. Uh, Stargate is, like Joe said, the 1994 sci-fi action adventure movie starring Kurt Russell mm-hmm. and James Spader, probably the two biggest names there. Yep. Uh, it follows a team of Air Force personnel led by Jack O'Neill, who is Kurt's character, Uh, as well as civilian archaeologist Daniel Jackson, who's Mm -hmm. played by James Spader. And this team travels through an ancient device to an unknown world. And that's that's it. That kind of kicks it off. That does. That really kicks it off. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to spoil too much else. We'll get into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it's quite a premise. I mean, it really it's original script, right? Uh, I, I will get into that in oh, a second. Oh, well, well, my apologies. I've got something I'm, I'm going to throw at you in the production history of this. Yeah. It's a bit controversial. That I don't know if you read about it or not, but it's it's very interesting. Okay. And so I'll go through all the fun stuff first, and then... Oh, th- we'll do the controversial stuff at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Get yeah. a real hook for people to stick around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll want to hear it. They'll want to hear it. We're going to tease them. So I'm, I'm going to, as always, I'm going to get into a little bit of the production history here, but first thing I'm going to say is, I don't know about you, Ian, but I had this on VHS growing up. Did you have this movie? I did not own this movie growing up. Okay, no. okay. I had this, again, VHS, great format. Uh, oh, yeah, the best. It's really... <laughs> super clear. <laughs> so sad to, that we moved beyond it. Hi, Rez. Uh, I watched it all the time. It was definitely like a $5 from Walmart purchase. When I think I mentioned to you before we started recording here that I would go on the trips to Walmart with my mom. If I was good... I was going to say, you told me if you were good, you were allowed to get a movie, and I was going to let you get away without saying it again. Uh, if I was good, I would get a movie, maybe two. And I distinctly remember getting this for like $7, uh, True Lies, Predator. But you got all that for seven or Oh, each no, no, no. Seven? Sorry. It was like oh, it, between okay. several trips, I would get those. But I remember got those it. distinctly in my collection of like, I would watch those over and over. Yeah. And this was this was a big one because obviously I was a big Kurt Russell fan. Pretty rewatchable movie as well. Pretty entertaining. I think so. so yeah. yeah. Came out in October of 1994, grossed over 200 million worldwide, which at the time was quite a bit. It was a lot and it was a surprise. Yeah. They were not expecting this movie to do that well. No, very much a surprise hit. Kind of doesn't surprise me because it has that Independence Day energy about it. 
Like it's it's pretty sci-fi. It's really entertaining. Like it's it it's kind of breakneck pace. Like once you get into the oh, they're going to be traveling through this wormhole. They they get into it quickly. Yeah, like it feels like they're not really discussing things. They just send a team as soon as it yeah, opens. they go through it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, yeah, and it's clear that it's like you know the team has been prepped beforehand at the possibility yeah. of this, but. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very quick, quick paced movie. Yeah, yeah, quick pace, really, really entertaining, kind of just mile a minute movie, directed by Roland Emmerich. This was his first really kind of larger scale. I say larger scale in quotes because they did a lot of cheating in this movie to make it look as big as it was. Sure. But he went on to do kind of those large disaster movies. Yeah. uh, That we all really know him for, like 2012, Independence Day, Godzilla. I think, and to me, he's just the man that's destroyed New York. I think he's done it like half a dozen times. Right. Flood, when when fire. you look through his list on IMDb, yeah. it's just like, oh, he just likes to destroy Just places. destroy cities, yeah. particularly New York. Yeah. But this was really his biggest uh, film up to that point. And to me, I don't know about you, Ian, but it really kind of felt like he was warming up for Independence Day in this. Like there were a lot of scenes with the guys at computers and those cool characters talking about alien things and all this kind of behind the scenes of the government operation, all this stuff. It really kind of felt like you had some some scenes that were kind of smaller in scale, but still had some of the interesting characters that you had in Independence Day. So in my opinion. Sure. Got an Academy Award nomination for visual effects, which is very cool. I don't think it won. But it had some pretty impressive stuff in it for the time. It did, but I can see why it wouldn't. Have, what did I don't know what it lost to. Gosh, it wasn't Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was a year before. It's not a lot of visual effects in this movie, mm-hmm. but the ones that they did were pretty important. Yeah, to the, they had some pretty impressive the plot of the movie. Yeah, but I again, I could see how it did win because this is right around the time of Jurassic Park. Yeah, and it's like you had stuff like that really setting a new standard. One of your and I's favorite fonts is featured in this papyrus. Oh yeah. Hands so, down. Yes. Uh, it really, really takes stage early. The opening credits are all papyrus. <laughs> and it's incredible. Are they actually papyrus? I, it looked, it reminded me of papyrus okay, and okay. I have a note here to mention it to you. It reminded me of papyrus. I hope it's actually papyrus. If it's not getting away with it. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know that SNL skit, go watch it with Ryan Gosling. I think it's just called papyrus. I think it is called. Yeah. yeah it's and it's, it's really funny. Watch. It's so funny. Slew of TV shows this launched here. I want to say at least half a dozen different Stargate shows. Okay. Wait, half a dozen different shows like series or seasons. We gotta be very clear here. Series. Because there's there, SG-1, which SG-1, is the big one. There was Atlantis, and then there's Stargate Universe. There's Universe. I think there's another one like Origins or something. Am I wrong? Maybe there there's movies, just the three. There's some other movies that okay, came out of it. That's probably what I'm like thinking that, of. But those that's are the three main series that okay, came out of it. Yeah. Okay. I never watched the series. Well, you, you're Missing losing out. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but they're, you, oh, you they're did? so good. Are they? Did you oh, watch all of them? Absolutely. Multiple times. Interesting. How do they, uh, how do they stack up? I mean, so this movie led the way to those. So there's nostalgia for this movie because of that. There right. is a love of those series and a thankfulness for this movie existing. They are right. a little bit different. In fact, when Richard Dean Anderson kind of was signing on to do the series. To play the same to to Kurt play the Russell same, character. Yeah, the same Kurt Russell character. Right. He was even saying, you know, I want to play this a little bit looser. Mm. I want it to be a little bit more, you know, not casual or funny, but mm-hmm. not quite as stoic or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. So there, yeah. there is a slightly different vibe. Okay. But... It's more goofy, probably, okay. than, than the movie would lean towards. But it's really okay. good. The series are so good. Was Everybody that a watch them. sci-fi channel? Is that what that was? It might have been on sci-fi channel to, to, okay. to begin with. That was early sci-fi channel. That would have been like 98 or something. Yeah, it was and excellent television. Okay. And I'm so sad that Stargate Universe got canceled. <laughs> it was just getting going. I don't know why they canceled it. Those fools. Was that a... What would that have been, like late 2000s or something? I have no idea. Because the original ran for a long time. 
Uh, the original was at least eight seasons. I want to say. Yeah, it was. I want uh, like close to ten, maybe. It was. It was on there for a while. Okay. I was just curious because I hadn't seen him, and I was curious your thoughts of the show. The so, show the is shows. excellent. So, Everybody okay. should watch the show. Okay, it's fun. Very cool. This is um the first kind of major supporting role for Jaiman Hinsu. If we. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Breakout uh, role for him. Yeah. So he really. It's a very young version of him too. For anyone that doesn't know, he's in a lot of. He's in a lot of movies now. One of the biggest that comes to mind is Blood Diamond. He plays uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the first one, he plays uh, one of the Kree. Can't remember his name. Like something, the Conqueror. Or I don't know, something like that. I don't but, know his uh, name in the movie. Yeah. He's in a lot of stuff. You would see him. You would recognize him if you saw him. For um, me, he, he my memory of him is Gladiator. Oh, that's yeah. That's the first that's right, like, that's right. real major role yeah, that I imagine. him Big speaking role in that one. That's yeah. right. In like 98 or so. Uh, he's really good in that too. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very excellent good. in that movie. It, it kind of—it's it, almost. I don't want to say a blink and you miss it because he has some lines, but it almost—he looks so much younger, and he's in probably like four scenes, and it's you really kind of have to be looking for him. But he's a background character. He's, yeah, he's definitely in the background. I'll also say this to you, Ian, between me and you. Oh yeah, so <laughs> let's cut the recording here real <laughs> so, quick. Yeah. Uh, when I, I hadn't seen this in a little while. Okay. Even though I'd grown up watching it when it started. I was like, man, I can't wait till Luke Perry shows up. And if you remember in the beginning of the fifth element, Luke uh, Perry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking, oh man, let's get to Luke Perry. Oh, man. He's got a great cameo. These light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh and I was like, once we get about five minutes in, I was like, oh dang yeah, it, that's movie. right. That's fifth element. <laughs> I can't wait. Because it's like the same setup. It does have a very, this, it's the same color scheme too. Exactly. Those color like scheme. oranges, yellows. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's like the same time period. <laughs> yeah. It was cracking me up. I realized that a minute in and I, th- I thought you'd get a chuckle out of that. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah that's really that's hilarious. Um I know I'm kind of getting off track here, but I have some fun things to throw at you. So one of the names of the soldiers in okay. Kurt Russell's team is Kowalski. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Say it. What other group of soldiers? <laughs> oh, you from, know exactly <laughs> what other soldiers. From, from a series that you and I both love has a character named Kowalski. The Penguins of Madagascar. Yeah, I was hoping you got yeah, that. Yeah. Zero pause. Yeah. For the, everyone at home, there is no editing between me answering that, <laughs> answering that question. <laughs> The Penguins so, of Madagascar is amazing. I know we're kind of calling out a bunch of different shows and movies and stuff here, but if anyone, as, as Ian just said, if anyone hasn't seen it, The Penguins of Madagascar was a Nickelodeon show in the mid to late 2000s yeah. based on the Commando Squad from the Madagascar movies, which was four penguins, yep. Skipper, Kowalski, Rico, and Private. Yep. And Kowalski was like the really tech, scientific mm-hmm. penguin. And as soon as they said that in this movie, I was like, oh, man. Immediate thought I had to. <laughs> was it really? Immediately I thought about it. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, great show. Great cartoon to watch as even if you are a man in your 40s, which is we both are. Yes. It's still very entertaining. It's really entertaining. Okay, so moving on here. This is the kind of controversial part I was kind of hinting at earlier. In 1996, two years after the film came out, a gentleman named Omar Zudi, did you read about this? I heard about this. Yeah, so he was a high school teacher. He filed a lawsuit against the makers of the film, namely, excuse me, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, because I think they both wrote it, um, because he believed it was taken and stolen from his story from a 1984 script he put together called Egyptscape, and he believes that they sold it from him. And apparently, they settled this out of court, so we don't for know that, like 50 grand or something. Oh, was that low. what it was? Something pretty it low. It was relatively yeah. low, right? Interesting. And so, I'd be curious to read that script and see how close we're looking. Supposedly, at it. he submitted it as well. To, I wouldn't be surprised. 
maybe the same production company, company or, or, I don't or know whatever what was, agency but, who knows yeah, yeah so yeah to settle that quickly out of court probably right. just indicates like we just don't want to deal with this yeah exactly like, we could probably exactly. beat you in court but it's just not worth it right right but again be curious to read his version to see uh, how, see close how similar it is yeah, yeah exactly still a great idea great premise here for a movie uh well let me ask ahead. you this joe so is it a great premise and we know it's a great premise now because it's spun off a series and everyone right. loves it so much because right. legitimately at the time people were very unsure if this was going to be a good It was going to work. Like yeah. it ended up being highly beloved even at the yeah. time for the movie. Yeah. It did not test well at first. They had to change a I couple remember. of things to yes. make it work better. Yeah. Everybody was surprised. It was like a budget of 55 million. Right. And a lot of that I think went into the actual casting. Yeah. I I would say I don't know how early you saw this. I remember seeing it pretty early. I, okay. I didn't see it in theater, but I think I saw it pretty soon after it was released on video. I probably rented it. Even being a 12-year-old boy thinking that space travel and action and sci-fi and all that was really interesting um, and entertaining, I still remember thinking at the time, like, this is weird. I still really liked the movie and thought it was, again, entertaining. But the fact that they were basically combining um, the movies, and th- I'm taking a quote from I think one of the producers dances with wolves in space. Sure. It felt like it was a really kind of bizarre new type of film mm-hmm. or kind of combination of plots or scenarios or whatever that we hadn't seen before. So that's what I would say. I, I would say you have a good point there. The fact that it has developed so many series and a bigger following o- over time probably makes it more popular now or more palatable now than it was back then. So that's that's probably what I would say yeah. to that. Yeah. So it's, it's a good point. I think it's really impressive what Roland Emmerich did with a $50 million budget. Yeah. He made it look like this is a big kind of universal movie, planet to planet, all the, all the effects, all the environments. I think he really did kind of do the most he could with what he had at his disposal. I'm, I'm pretty impressed that this movie, as we just said a second ago, this movie and the uh, the series and, and all the kind of conversation around it has lasted as long as it has. I mean, it came out. 30 years ago this year, which is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else on your end? A couple of notes. I, I watch a lot of videos and interviews yeah. in prepping for this. And one was about when Kurt came to visit the set of SG-1 mm. while he was filming 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Oh, yeah. So he dressed. He was dressed up as Elvis, as Elvis yeah. on set, which is kind of That's funny. That's funny, yeah. The, the only one I care about is that at one point, Richard Dean Anderson is talking about it, and he just says, just such strong hair. It's It's all his. Yeah. Strong hair. It is a good head of hair. And so I just love that we've talked about Kurt's hair a bunch. Yes, and we then have. to hear Richard Dean Anderson confirm. In real life, it looks that good. It's just such a noticeable yeah. set of hair. So. Yeah. And he would have had the Elvis hair then. Yeah, It would have been did. thick and longer. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Speaking of the hair, I was saving this till we got more into the first act. Sure. But I'm going to ask it now. Better or worse movie if Kurt keeps his longer hair that he had in the first like five minutes of the movie? It, it has to change. Okay. You need that change of the haircuts, but I do have a note change. that we have two haircuts, two new haircuts yes. for yes. Kurt in yeah. this movie. Yeah, it is noted in my in my list here to address that. Like, yeah, so no, uh, they're both good haircuts. It, it gives you totally different vibes of him. Yeah, and the character, and it's just wild. Once again, his hair just shines through. Yes, it does. I remember even as a kid when you have that first scene of him with that longer hair, being yeah. like, man, that is cool. That, he looks so cool. Sure, because I read that he had yeah, lightened it a little bit for the movie. Okay, it's a little bit, uh, yeah. you know, blonder. Sure. Dirty Bond, whatever. I just remember as a kid being like, man, I want to see more Kurt Russell with that long hair. 
because he he has longer hair like in movies here and there. But I think that was it was a different that was a different style of long. Yes, hair, it for was. Sure. It was gave you like a Kurt Cobain kind of. Feel. Yes, it did. Yeah. Like and it, and it fit it fit the moment because of yeah, what he was going through. Totally. Um, yeah, but and, and I digress. I had to ask that while we were on that subject of his hair. Uh, anything else on your end? Yeah, no, I got a couple of things still. Okay, okay. Yeah, don't worry, Joe. I've got a couple right, items good, for you. Good. One is the the casting of Kurt. Mm-hmm. They wanted to find someone who was likable because the part as it was written wasn't very likable. Mm. The character. Okay. And they said to themselves, you know, the only star out there who has zero unlikability, <laughs> Kurt Russell. That's exactly zero right. unlikability. Yeah. And they're right. And that still holds true. It holds and, true one hundred percent to this. And day. it's why we're doing this podcast. So I, I it just, I really appreciated that. <laughs> uh, Jay Davidson, who plays yes. Raw in this movie, yeah. only had one acting credit before yep. this, Crying for game. which he was discovered at like a bar at a rap party mm. for some other thing, and he was yeah. asked to audition for this. Got paid a million dollars to do Stargate. Mm. When they asked him about the role, he came back with, I want a million dollars. And they said yes. And it was essentially where he just gave him a really high number that he didn't expect him to pay. Yeah. And then ever since then, he's he's quit. He's left acting since then. Yeah. It's not acting anymore. He had, uh, he was in the crying game. I guess about a year before this, which really was a standout performance. I think he was nominated for. I don't. He was. Did he win? I don't, I don't think he won, won. Right, but he was nominated. Right, even though that was like best his first film, best role. Right. Yeah. Right. So a ton of acclaim, ton of notoriety, and I read the same thing that he really tried to highball him, not lowball. Highball. Yeah, that would be highball. highball. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think really, of like yeah. it felt because that's a drink. Highball's a drink. That felt a little weird to me. Sure, yeah, but but lowball's not. I just don't know saying. if there's a lowball drink. There's got to be. There's got to be. Go ahead. Yeah, so just a couple more <laughs> items. Just, uh, I want to make a call to a couple of other, you know, behind-the-scenes kind of individuals here that I think are, are, are very oh, worthy yeah. of it. Yeah. Current stunt double, John Casino, mm-hmm. has been stunt doubling for him or whatever the right term is for it for a long time. Like, he did yeah. like he did Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. He's been doing, you know, The Fate of the Furious, Death Proof, The Hateful Eight. He did Backdraft. So, the whole range of his career, which is just really, really cool. It is cool. I think it's something to call out of just this this guy's been stunt doubling for Kurt yeah. for a very long time. Yep. Uh, another Same. one is the voice of the Mastage, which is basically like an, a yak-like creature in yes. this movie. You might recognize the name. It's Frank Welker. Oh, yes. And I'm going to be honest. This is a huge thing for me. This dude has been so many voices that we know and love. Nibbler from Futurama. He's been Scooby-Doo. Yeah. He was Ralph in the Animaniacs. He was the Cave of Wonders voice in yep. the original animated movie and the live-action Aladdin. He That's was right. Megatron. Yep. He did Caddyshack 2, the gopher. He did some <laughs> reindeer voices in the Santa Claus. And yes, I did have to look it up to check if he did Chet, but he did not. Oh, okay, okay. It was... Kath Susie, who did that. Okay, okay. Major call out for her. If you don't know the Chet from the Santa Claus 2, at least go watch those clips. Yeah, because Chet's one of really my all time favorite characters yeah, in any movie. It's really funny. He did some of the Martians and Mars Attacks, yeah. Bonzo Bongo and Powerpuff Girls. He's done so many voices. Yeah. And what I love about it is, is he got credited for just making like animal noises in yeah. this movie. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think he was literally the last cast person mentioned on IMDb, which is crazy to me. And he's been around forever and has done so many different so many. shows, movies, voice work. It's incredible. Yeah, good call, man. I, I yep. forgot about that one. And then the last one I have is just our man Dennis Lydiard's back, the makeup artist for Kurt <laughs> Russell. 
I just I'm gonna mention it every time. He's one of my favorite people now. It's it's pretty neat, man. Dennis was there again. Yeah, he's got like his whole team around him. Yeah, we've got a lot. The the stunt double, the makeup artist. Yeah, Dennis. So it is so cool when you think about it. Like the the little team around. Yeah, Kurt and that they're probably all really good friends. Have been working together for something like forty years. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's Uh, really cool. It is really wild, and it's so fun to think about just the camaraderie and friendship they. I'm sure they all have and they share. Does that hit everything on your end? Yeah, that's it. That's all I had. Okay, awesome. All right, well, I think it is time for a break, and then when we come back, we'll get into the plot of Stargate and some of our highlights from that. But uh, we'll see you all in just a second. All right, welcome back, everyone. Let's talk a little bit more about Stargate and the plot and just the the story, the narrative of this movie. There's a lot that unfolds here. I'm going to kick it over to Ian here. Let's run run, run us through it, Ian. There's a lot here. Yeah, we'll we'll start off with Kurt's role. So yep. Kurt plays Jack O'Neill. Jack is a morose colonel in the U.S. Air Force that is called back into service for a special mission. Mm-hmm. The character is troubled by the loss of his son and is intended to be kind of the classic gruff, nothing left to live for, mm-hmm. nothing to lose kind of person. He's stony-faced, etc. He just kind of plays that vibe in this movie. As we mentioned, two new haircuts. He's got the long hair early right. when we first meet him. And he's got the buzz cut, classic military look later in the movie. So that's the role that we that we get introduced to at the beginning of this movie. Which which look do you think suits him better? They both work. Yeah. They both work. Do you think one is better than the other? I I'm not gonna say it's better, but the reason I asked earlier if the longer hair would have made for a better movie is because we've seen the really short, kind of cropped haircut on him in other movies, like Soldier. Which is, that's a good movie too. It's a great movie. We'll talk about Soldier yeah. at some point. I think the kind of longer, almost like skateboard kind of cut with the military outfit. <laughs> well, okay. So let's let's dive into this movie because we're going to very quickly meet his actual character. In this. Let's set the tone a little bit for everybody. So the movie yeah. opens up. It's 8,000 BC. A yeah. ship is landing. A spaceship is obviously landing somewhere. You don't really know where. You just know that it's landing. He gets up. Some blue lights. Go ahead. I'm going to... So this is one thing. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay, yeah. Okay, now, you watch the special edition? Oh, thank you. Yes, I have the special edition. So there's right. some additional scenes. Well, I was reading was that the special edition plays out in chronological order. So the scene you're talking about where the spaceship lands yeah. doesn't happen in my film until about halfway through it. When there's a flashback as James Spader is talking about what happened. Interesting. Right. So my film starts with the dig site. The dig site. Okay. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So we end up at the dig site. That, that <laughs> opening scene is kind of irrelevant. I mean, it's it's relevant, but irrelevant at the same right. time. Right. You just know that there was a character that, that saw this thing. Right. You were in Egypt. They're digging up something. We don't know what. There's a man, possibly the grandfather and his granddaughter are showing up at this dig site. She kind of grabs an item off of a table, which mm-hmm. becomes important later. Then they see this device kind of being brought up. At right. the time, they just think it's like a stone, and they don't really go too much further into it. And then we pretty much immediately cut to James Spader's character, Daniel Jackson, who is talking about how the pyramids weren't built when people thought they were. He won't go into who necessarily did it. There's kind of that question of, was it aliens? It's yeah, kind of like aliens yeah. built these, and he won't really say. Yeah. Someone in the audience makes a comment about Atlantis, which I love because a future season is based entirely around Atlantis. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. that's kind of fun. I don't know if it played into them actually making Stargate Atlantis, but yeah. it's really fun to have that yeah. tie in now. Did you ever see that Disney film, Atlantis, The Lost Empire? Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Very, very similar to this film. It even has the whole opening where he's in the classroom and he's talking, no one believes him, all that. And so, yeah, a lot of inspiration from Stargate for that one. So, yeah. Yeah. 
the this older woman comes up and it's clearly the girl that we saw earlier mm-hmm. and she talks to him and gives him the opportunity of do you want to prove that everything you're saying is actually true then we cut to Colonel O'Neill the Air Force shows up at his house right they meet his wife who kind of just indicates like yeah he's here if you want to talk to him effectively mm-hmm. and you get very immediately that there is tension in this family yep we meet him there's something really different I think about Kurt's look here yeah not just the hair, but the overall look that he has, I think is really, really, really well done, considering yeah. that you didn't introduce this character very quickly yeah. and get a vibe of who this person is. I think they did a great job. They did. He's he's very despondent, depressed, yeah. obviously, tense. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot in his eyes there that I think communicate. Like you said, the story, the background, what happened, it, you get it very quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so the hair here looks great. <laughs> it really, really does. Essentially, we cut back to those guys getting in their car, and they're wondering why he is acting weird or why this guy is weird like this. Mm-hmm. And we then learn that his son was accidentally shot yep. by a gun that was left out yep. or whatever. Yep. So then we cut back to Daniel Jackson is kind of getting introduced to people. Richard Kind is yeah. at this point. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. It, it, he cracks me up. Anytime he talks or delivers a line... It's really funny to me. Yeah. He just has really good delivery. He's good. He's really good at that nerd. Like yes. the really, really big nerd that's kind of shocked. Like, that it, like the big nerd who is often wrong kind yeah, of nerd. That, exactly. Yes. Like, and he's like, he can't believe he's wrong. Right. He's like, uh, don't touch that board. We like, and he just can't compute yeah. that, that he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So we introduced them. So there's other scientists that have been working on this. They introduced Daniel into this. He instantly translates something that they haven't been able to figure out. Right. For what, like years? Who yeah. knows? We don't know how yeah. long it is, but he just like looks at it and instantly does it. Yeah. He's got it. He mentions a uh, another scholar, but he says, "Don't tell me you've been you've been translating this through some other name." And that actually, I read that that actually was a name in the real world of archaeology that they oh, mentioned really? in the movie and just saying that he got it wrong or whatever. whatever. So was that real archaeologist, like somebody who was later seen as not very good? I don't, or I don't, I don't know. Just, I don't think nod. so. I think they just nodded to this like, ah, that guy's <laughs> famous in the field. Let's mention his name and make him look like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because <laughs> everyone's going to pick up that reference. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, no, they got it. Deep cut. So he, he translates this thing, which was basically, you know, translating what is this device meant to be? And right. where we get the term Stargate from. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, one quick thing here. Yeah. You're probably going to mention this, but this is this is not the Stargate. They keep calling the Stargate the device, but the thing that Daniel's looking at is like a tablet or like a... Okay, yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things here. The Stargate right. itself is the circular... Thing you see raised up in the beginning yeah, of the Yeah, that movie. creates the right. wormhole that you walk through. There's right. a device that controls the Stargate. A remote. That yep. you enter in the symbols... To decide where you want to go. Right. And then there is this tablet that he has, which in the movie is kind of telling you what the different addresses yes. are. Like right. how to how to actually dial to a different place. Right. right. So there's a few different components to make this thing work. Yes. So there's the Stargate, which we keep mentioning, but at this point in the movie, he's looking at the remote or tablet or whatever. There it was is. a tablet that talked about what the device is. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a cover sheet, essentially. Right. Like a, oh, not a, like a cover stone, not a cover sheet. Like writing a, <laughs> Excel. Yeah. yeah. It's writing a paper on yeah. this. Yeah. There was like a cover stone <laughs> over top of the gate itself because it was buried. Right. And then when they dug it up, and I think it was that stone that was covering it that had the stuff written yeah, on yeah. that he was translating. We're getting real nerdy here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> believe me. I cannot wait. I love I love this series. 
So then they kind of cut to a, a newspaper with a star map on it. Right. And you have your classic movie Eureka moment. Yeah. This movie yeah. has so many Eureka moments in yeah. it where the, one of the main characters is stuck. They don't know what to do. They look to one side, they look to another, <laughs> and they see the thing that is their answer, yeah. which is fine. I love it. <laughs> we know that it's been 14 days that he's been on site, and just some security guards read a newspaper, and it has a constellation on the back, and yep. Daniel's like, this is it. <gasps> That's it. Yeah, It solves the problem yep. like, instantaneously. It's not just that it's like, oh, this might be the right direction. It's just everything is solved. That, that is the solution, yeah. the ultimate solution. Yeah, it's great. The team knew that this was some sort of transportation device. Yes, Otherwise, why have all of this stuff hooked up to it and the mapping system's ready to go? Right. Right? Right. They cut to a scene in the command center, effectively, where there are star maps and there are computers hooked up to it. They have all this equipment hooked up to this thing. It's very, very clear they knew what this thing probably was. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know how to use it yet. Yep. Jack O'Neill has already seen it. He knows the device is there. Everybody else is aware of what's going on except Daniel Jackson, yep. James Spader's character. Yep. Like this blast shield kind of yes. opens. And yep. if you've watched the series... That blast shield in that room in there is kind of a, a special little room because a lot of the oh. series takes place in there. I don't know. It kind okay, of, interesting. It was nostalgic for me to see the the, the blast shield. That's open. cool. So then they start testing it to see if it actually works with Jackson's info. You're, yeah, right, with yeah. his new info, right. like with translation for the different you know constellations and mm-hmm, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's whenever you see this giant stone turning on the Stargate. Yeah. And when they said Chevron One is locked into place, like, oh, I got chills. Just love the series so much. That's so cool, the, dude. The idea of like the Chevron's locking into place and this thing turning and it locking in some sort of address is awesome. But that's really neat. So after watching the movie and all the TV series, it's legitimately like a Pavlovian response for me <laughs> to hear the term Chevron. <laughs> like I really had to look it up and just be like, I, I think this is all being used correctly, but it doesn't matter. I now associate the term Chevron with Stargate. Is the Chevron indicating a, a symbol? Like they call a symbol Chevrons? Or no. is there a Chevron-shaped symbol there on There is. It? There's like a, well, it's not a Chevron-shaped symbol. As the wheel turns, there mm-hmm. are these parts of the device that kind oh, of come down. The, okay. And they're shaped okay. like Chevrons. Okay. And so That's as right. those go, they lock. And you see like lights kind of light up around it. That's right. To indicate that the symbol is actually locked in place. The series goes into all sorts of extra stuff okay. about how the, the gates work. But okay. in the movie, you just kind of get this idea that, oh, now these things are locking into place and it's working. Right. So the military decides they're going to send a little robot through this thing. Yep. As you do. Yep. Why not? What I want to know... <laughs> is how in the heck are they tracking this thing as it travels? Okay, so let's establish here. We've got a wormhole. Explodes outwards into almost like watery shape and kind of comes back. And it's like this watery texture. Yes. And they send a robot and they drive it through. And Mm -hmm. then we cut over to the side and there's a star map and there's like a... Yeah, the glass thing with the... That is like traveling. Yes. Telling them where this robot is. Right. But How? How, Joe? I know. It, it defies all physics. It I know. It defies anything. And and it sends them information back. Right. <laughs> I, I'm fine with the gate. Well, okay. So the series really <laughs> the series really gets into the fact that like when you call a gate, which direction can material pass through it versus right. which direction can information pass through okay. it. Okay. Those are different. Okay. Again, this doesn't really get into it. But what I'm concerned about here, that ends up being light years away. Oh, yeah. Minimum. Yeah. Right. If not further. Yeah. How is it sending that information back? If it's going through the wormhole, right. is it able to still be constituted in some way to send it back? But even if it was able to send data back, it's just scientific data. It's not location-based data. It doesn't. The robot doesn't know where it is. Right. And if they're trying to track the robot, I don't know. I don't know why it bothers me as much as it does. Yeah. But the fact that it can kind of travel where it's going, it's, and, and you need it because the audience needs to understand that this yeah. robot is traveling to somewhere else right. in space. Right. So I get it. 
I well, what fascinates me is, and I, you're more informed on all this than I am because you've seen the series, you've done your homework on this more than I more than I, I have. <laughs> but as a kid, even I remember the part with that big glass map with the dots simulating yeah. the different galaxies or stars or whatever it is. In that tracker that kind of goes across it on yeah. the X and Y axis. I remember as a kid being like, wait a minute, it goes like almost to the edge of that piece of glass. Yeah. So have they literally just mapped out on that glass, like the known universe? Or what if it went beyond that? It's a good it question. Just, like, what's so, the deal? So it gets into it a little bit. The series dives way, way into it, too. Like, how many chevrons do you need to lock to go right. just either within your current galaxy or into a separate galaxy, even in Stargate Universe, to be able to connect to something that is actually moving? How crazy. do you target these things? That's crazy. And so in this case, I think in the movie, they indicate that they're in a different galaxy, but the series kind of retcons that. Interesting. To be that this gate that they went to is in the same galaxy. Okay. And so they don't really touch on it in the movie much, like what all did they map? In the right. series, you get a whole lot more about what they've mapped, and they're mapping where other gates are and Interesting. things like that. Okay. So technically speaking, in the retcon universe of this, the planet they go to is in is in the Milky Way galaxy. Okay. Interesting. Okay. In the movie, they seem to indicate that they're going to a totally different galaxy. Yeah. That's why it yeah. moves. But it's not going to the edge of the known universe. The series goes way, way into like how do you travel even further. That's awesome into these gates so that's pretty cool dude yeah yeah i'm glad you're here <laughs> to talk about this <laughs> uh so they send this robot through and it kind of indicates like oh all the levels are coming back okay like most importantly we've got oxygen and and they have a little graph that overlaps yeah it's the like, per- exact same atmosphere yeah, and it's like it's exactly the same it's not even like a little bit yeah, off it's perfectly the same yep then they cut back they realize they might have to scrap this mission because as they're preparing to go through it the military leaders are talking about it and they're like we know how to call the gate that we're going to how do we right. Right. the gate that we have to come back. Right. We expected to find a tablet, but the robot didn't see a tablet when it went through. Yep. And Daniel Jackson says that he can do it. They're talking yeah. about it. He's like, well, I, I could do that. I could translate that, it get over there. That part cracks me up. And there's, in that scene, what Kurt Russell's character says there, okay. I think he says, it's your call. I don't know if that's the version you saw or not. In the extended version, or the version that I saw, Kurt Russell's character just goes, yeah, he's full of shit, and walks away. <laughs> And it's amazing. It wasn't in my version. Okay. That's incredible, it's though. So much, it, honestly, it's so much better because it really does play to the character. He's got this buzz cut. Yeah. And again, the haircut thing here, I the reason why I like the two different haircuts is okay. because it really takes you from this guy who was kind of downtrodden and depressed, and he has this really tiny purpose in life again. Yeah. And he cleans it up, and he looks real yeah. trim and proper. Yeah. But it's all a facade. Yeah. And I like the idea that he looks so put together here, even though but he's so broken. He's really not. He's really yeah. broken on the yeah. inside. Yeah. And so yeah. he just kind of walks off and tells this guy he's full, he's right. full of it. But this mission is way too important. So they're just like, if you say you can do it, we'll let you do it. Right. I want to step back just for a second yeah. here. When he makes his entrance in his military garb. Yeah. And it's when Daniel is talking about how old the device is or yeah. the tablet or whatever. He's talking about at that point. And he goes, I think it's at least 5,000 year, years old. Kurt, you hear him off screen, and then they cut to him in the middle of the sentence. He says, I was told 10,000. Yeah. I'm Colonel Jack O'Neill. And I thought his intro line was fantastic. Okay. It was really strong. He comes in, I was told 10,000. And he's standing there like in the middle of that silo, whatever it is. Colonel Jack O'Neill. Strong name. Yeah. Good colonel name. Mm-hmm, it's a good mm-hmm. looking name. It's a good sounding name for the way he looks as the character. I just wanted to hit on that. It felt like a great intro to him after he's been cleaned up. It is a good intro, and it just kind of asserts his dominance on the yes, team. Yes, it does. It really clearly indicates that this guy's in charge. Because yeah. Jack O'Neill was in charge of the team. Yep. He had extra information about this mission that nobody else had. That's true. 
That's true. And so it, it very quickly kind of asserts that dominance, yep. asserts his character in the scene, yep. reintroduces him, like you said, yep. all clean cut. Yeah. No, I agree. It's a great intro. It's a good intro. It's a good intro. Yeah. Sorry, I took his back for a second. No, there. I love it. No, because <laughs> we talked about, you know, in the Escape from New York, his intro, his first yes. lines coming in there yeah. really set the tone for that character. The character. Snake, right. I think, again, like you said, I think this intro really sets the tone for who the character of Jack O'Neill is yep. in this movie. Exactly. Exactly. I think Kurt does a really good job with it. Yes, he does. Cut to, at least in my version of it, Jack <laughs> and this general are kind of walking through the halls. They right. decide they're going to do the mission. They're going to trust that Daniel Jackson's going to be able to find this information. Yeah, to get on them the back. other end. Yeah. And they kind of go through and they open up a separate door. And we see this fossil-looking thing. But it's just on a wall, and it looks like fossilized remains. This was not in mine, okay. but I read that that was in this. Okay, yeah, okay. so they, they cut to this thing. So in the extended version, they cut to this fossil, reestablishes that Jack knows something else that nobody else knows, Yeah. that when they go through this thing, some pretty nasty stuff could go down. Yeah. He has been brought on in some way to address that fact. Like Handle his mission on this threat. is to deal with whatever potential threats there are. They yeah. really establish that in this kind of scene before Interesting. they get Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I read something about there being like a fossilized, uh, whatever we call those things, like the guard or whatever that the is. Jaffas. The, is that what they, is it Jaffas? Is that You don't get that in the movie, but they're called the Jaffas. Jaffas or Najaffa? Jaffa. Just Jaffa. Jaffa. J a f f a. J a f f a. Got it. The Jaffa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read about that, but that's interesting. I thought that was earlier in the movie, from what I read, that there was like a fossilized one laying next to the Stargate or something when they find it. There was. But, yes. Oh, there was one of those too. Yeah, there was one there too. In your version? Yes. And oh, they, cool. And they kind of mentioned they're like, oh, it's a fossil. So from there, the team is kind of geared up, and they're going to walk through this thing. Yep. Quickly, like this happens. Very quickly. Like, it feels like it's like an hour later. They're like, we're going through. Yeah. Yeah. After they discover that. <laughs> and it really indicates to, to the audience, I think, intentionally that as long as the atmosphere panned out and as long as they had some way of dealing with any threats, they were going through this thing. Yeah. Yep. And so they're ready to go almost immediately. Yep. I've got a question for you, Joe. Okay, let's do it. Daniel is now given the necklace from earlier that the old woman had. Yes. Does this fit the definition of a MacGuffin? The necklace? Yeah. I don't think it is because it's not like what they're is propelling the story. Really, it's not propelling the story. Yeah, it's just it's just general foreshadowing. Then maybe right, right. But it's a good question. Okay, yeah. Uh, Another one that I had in my mind. It always bothered me that devices could be on two sides of the horizon of this thing and still work at the same time. But you then see this travel sequence of them traveling through Mm -hmm. space time, Mm -hmm. and then they come out the other side. Mm -hmm. So that part always kind of bothered me about Stargate. So are you basically saying that how could two things go through both sides at the same time? Is that what you're saying? No. And that's something that comes up plenty in the series, too, about like what happens when things are entering this. But the idea that you have a plane that you're going through, and it's technically... The left side of it is where you are currently, and the yeah. right side of it is in the new location. Yeah. And if you travel through that, you're instantly on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. But the movie seems to indicate that you're actually like traveling through space through time. A, through an actual. And like, how is he opening his eyes tunnel. inside of it? Right. It always bugged me. Even when I first saw this movie, I was I was bothered by so it. So, in, in your opinion, yeah, 
it should be he opens his eyes on the other side of it and sees the environment. Like he's already in it almost. Like That's his face my is in it. Right. Yeah. Like okay, maybe okay. he is traveling okay. across space time, but why is he looking in the other side of this thing? It right. d- doesn't make any right. sense. And I think it's just to, mm. to have that movie. Oh, yeah. Of it's like, really cinematic. Yeah. It's like, very cinematic. And he's yeah. like digitized almost and set yeah. through this thing. Yeah. Boy, Wonka style. Like that and the whole kind of travel through it where you're kind of, it's just the roller coaster, almost like the, not warp speed, but light speed they do in Star Wars with yes. the streaking. It, it feels very similar to that. Yeah. I will say i really wanted to hit on this because it it still struck me how good it looked but those moments where the stargate is initially getting turned on and the water the effect not the water effect so much where he puts his face in it but when it turns on and you have that like explosion of water going one way yeah and then it when it initially activates i think those moments still look really good they look really good and they're absolutely iconic yes they are the rest of the tv series and everything oh really yeah it's just very evocative of we're about to go somewhere. I, I read something about that scene. To get that effect, at least what they did for the movie, they had a, a tub, tub okay. of water, and they had like an air gun uh, that could do something like, I don't know if you read this or not. No, I didn't. But this it could is do, interesting. Right. They could do, it could do something upwards of like 500 pounds of pressure or something sure. like that. And they were like, okay, well, let's just start it at 100 and see if it gives us the effect. <laughs> and it shoots into the pool and blasts the entire crew with water. <laughs> And they're like, oh, uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> just like empties the pool. And so they literally ended up using, for that entire gun up to 500 pounds, they ended up using one pound to get that that kind of splash air jet effect Amazing. that they have, which is incredible, yeah. which I wish I would have seen that. It just empties <laughs> the entire pool on everyone, like the cameras and everybody. I think that's incredible. So, oh, you got to love it. You got to love it. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So they go through this thing. The whole team goes through this thing. They end up on the planet Abydos, which I don't think we actually learned that in the movie that it's called that. Okay. But the name of this planet is Abydos, and everyone looks kind of sick. It's the classic, you just traveled through a portal. Yeah. You're kind of yeah. sick. Nausea and The team all that. secures yeah. the room. And Daniel Jackson is just like, I knew it. He kind of indicates he always knew that the pyramids were otherworldly. Yep. And he realizes that this is a replica, in essence, of the Great Pyramid of yep. Giza, yep. which connects it back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Kurt's character immediately is like, start getting set up. We're going to be back to the Stargate within the hour. Yep. And somebody asked him in that moment, oh, you're coming with us, right, sir? And he doesn't answer the question at all. Right. He just totally leaves it. He's on a different mission. Yeah. When they get through, Daniel also lied and held back that he needed to find the tablets to translate things. And so everyone loses it. Everyone's really mad at him. They're mad at him for a long time. Yeah. You know, if you don't turn this thing back on from here, we're screwed. They're like picking on him, throwing stuff at him. Yeah. And understandable. Yeah. yeah, I'd be pretty upset. (laughs) (laughs) You just stuck me on this planet (laughs) with nothing but sand that we can see so far. This is where you learn that it's one-way travel. They can't yeah. have the gate called again from the other side and walk through it. Whichever side calls the other side, yeah. that's the side that you walk right. through. Right, right. Team sets up camp. The colonel hides a detonator of sorts, so you get another ominous mm-hmm. you know, foreshadowing mm-hmm. of, you know, he's going to blow something up. We yep. don't know what necessarily. Yep. Daniel finds some tracks. He eventually finds this animal. It's great. I think the last movie I did this too, but this one, again, I watched with my parents because they happened to be staying with me while we watched it. My mom said it was like a camel horse mixed with an elephant. So three animals together. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's very large. Uh, very slobbery. Yeah. Huge weird mouth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's the only thing else I was going to mention <laughs> about that creature. I we could just slide right past this thing, except for the fact that the animatronics in this thing, they kind of you have this side view of its mouth. Yes. As he's it's like enormous. It. Yeah. Giant, disgusting mouth. <laughs> huge, thick tongue. Yeah. A couple of teeth in there. Yeah. They it's really. Weird. Yeah. And they had no reason 
to make this animal to this level of detail. It doesn't help the story in any no, way, shape, no, or form. But it's great. It's really funny. Yeah, that's a good moment. That's a really good moment. He feeds it. They kind of say, I wouldn't feed that thing. He gets his foot caught in a rope, and it just starts to run with them. Yeah, which is a really fun sequence. It's a good sequence, and it's yeah. a really good way for a movie just to kind of progress the story. Yeah. Rapidly. That's right, because they get to the uh, the city or compound, whatever. It yeah, is. we know. see this like tent village essentially. Yeah, yeah. The guy talking at the very beginning is actually the same actor that was in the TV series. Played the same. Scara is the name of the character. Oh, really? He's that in later. that. Yeah, Scara is oh. actually in the TV series. That's cool. Same actor plays the same character. The bald guy. Really cool. No, 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 no. Scara is not bald. Okay. Scar is the kid that he gives the, oh, the lighter to later okay. on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was thinking of that kid's like dad, whatever the the elder of the village. I was thinking of that Kasuf? guy. Yeah, Kasuf. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, yeah, that guy who I don't know who that is, but he yeah. looks very familiar. Yeah, he's, he's, a lot of stuff. he's clearly the leader of some sort. Scar runs away, finds him, brings yeah. him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. talk. They find a way to communicate, even though they can't communicate. One thing I appreciate is that you know Daniel says, "Oh, they're asking us to go with them," and they say, "Well, how do you know?" It's nice, and it's just like because he's showing us. Yeah, the hand motion does the hand motion of like this means to go with someone. (laughs) So it's really funny. They indicate they've taken some readings on what they're mining. It's some material that it you know the Stargate has the same material as this. Yeah. This gets picked up in the series. It's called Naquita. It's a major, major, major plot point. Interesting. It's a really special mineral that is getting mined. They go, they travel to this human city, which is significant in size. It's really, really big. Mm -hmm. They reveal the Eye of Ra, so it gives us that tie-in again to this Egyptian god. The the necklace she gave him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it looks like the necklace. They see the necklace. They think they are, like, sent by Ra in some way, shape, or form. So the people start to, you know, give them feasts or do all Yeah, like worship them, kind of. Yeah, worship them a little bit. Jack wants to get out of there, but they stop him because there's a sandstorm coming in. So they're kind of stuck for the night. Yep. They have this animal. It yeah. tastes like chicken. Did that animal, to me, when I was a kid, I thought it looked like an insect. But now that I see it again, it's more like an armadillo it's an or armadillo. something. Yeah, it looks yeah. like an armadillo yeah. of sorts. Yeah. When he pulls that meat out of there, though, I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. It looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. And I'll give the Foley artists some credit there. Oh, yeah. That sound of him yes. pulling the meat out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Was distinct. <laughs> it's so, very, it is very distinct. So he eats it. <laughs> they all start to kind of enjoy their time together. The leader's daughter comes in, and it's uh, clearly for some special times. Yes. And Daniel picks up on that. With and, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. And begins to kind of lead her out of the room. Like, no, 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 no. And then yeah. realizes that if this happens, people are just going to implode. Yeah. If you sends her away. So they just kind of sit down and talk and they begin to kind of communicate. Truly sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. nice scene. They begin to communicate. They draw the symbol for Earth and they start to realize that they can kind of start to find some communication. And then he asks if she knows of any other symbols like this. And she says that she does. Right. Know? And one thing I was going to add to that there's hints at this earlier, uh, but writing has been outlawed in this yes. land. So yeah. when he starts to write earlier, and I think there, there is, there's a scene earlier when he mm-hmm. starts to write on the sand, uh, the people of the village basically scri- scribble it out or whatever, rub their foot yeah. over it. So, it, you know, it disappears. And we find out later that Raw basically outlawed writing or whatever. Yeah. The reason for that yeah. is to avoid people rising up again. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to get history matched in the rest down, of this movie, yeah. but you yeah. essentially learn that people on earth eventually rose up against. Yeah. These, these other creatures, right. and that's why the Stargate was hidden, that's why it was closed up, and it was because they had writing and they could communicate right. more easily. So they've exactly. outlawed it here. Yep. These people are afraid to read or write. Exactly, yep. There's some bonding moments between the different characters, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. There's a ship that arrives kind of in the night, 
It's the spaceship. It lands on top of the Great Pyramid. Yep. The Great Pyramid's 481 feet tall, so it's a pretty big ship. Yeah. Dudes in crazy-looking outfits come down. Yep. And start knocking the team all over the place. Yeah, they really just clean clean house. Yeah, so yeah. those are the Jaffa, those characters there. Yeah, and they have their Matok staffs that are like the, the staffs that they yeah, the use shoot, to shoot things. Energy-based weapons. So they come yeah. out, and then we cut back to Jack and Scar have a bonding moment over a lighter. Yeah. And then... Jack kind of freaks out when Scar picks up the gun. Yeah. And we know it's a kind of a bigger reaction because of his story with his mm-hmm. son. And that happens again later in the movie, too, where mm-hmm. Jack isn't too keen on people having guns. Yeah. One of the other team members then is kind of dragged back to the leader back at the pyramid. That's right. Yeah. And a sarcophagus opens up very ominously. Yeah. <laughs> and then they knock him back out. So they drag this guy awake to their leader. Just to see him unveiled. Or just whatever. to see it unveiled. Yeah. And then they just knock him back out. <laughs> <laughs> Here's so, a little tease of right. Get back to get that's back to it. Sleep. That's all we know. Yeah. What happens there? <laughs> and then Scar is showing off his lighter. We learned about the history mm-hmm. of this world. There was an alien that was dying. He was traveling, looking for life. His species was dying out. Realized he could use human bodies to continue to live. Possesses the body like a parasite. Mm-hmm. Uses a Stargate then to bring humans from Earth to this planet to work in the mines. Right. That Abydos has. Right. And then there's the rebellion on Earth, and then Ra forbids reading and writing. Yeah. So you never learn in this movie, but it's the Goa'uld is what Ra is. It's this parasitic oh, yeah. okay, okay. creature. Yeah, the species. It's a major, 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 major plot point throughout all of the, the series of SG-1 okay. of who these creatures are and what they are. Okay. It's a retcon later. Like, you kind of looks like your classic alien-style yeah. creature. Once you get to the TV series, they're these actual parasite-looking creatures. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so the alien creature bit. wasn't the original form. It was that that was taken over by the TV series. Just kind of like quietly retcon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What yeah. It yeah. Looks I, like. I think the movie really indicated that it was that style of alien. Right. And then the series kind of goes away from yeah, it. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So they find the symbols again, big yep. time. They find the symbols for the Stargate yep. in this tunnel. But the seventh one is missing, as yep. it classically is yep. in these moments. Yeah, they find the little tablet that it was on, yeah. but it's rubbed off. And after they, it's and been they there find, for oh, it's years. broken. Oh, no, yeah. it, oh, we found it. It's in the sand. And he lifts it up, and he he dusts it off in an awkward way that you would never do unless you were trying to show it to a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And then yeah. it's been like... Cheat it, cheat it towards rubbed, camera. You know, yeah. s- smooth or whatever. Yeah. They head back. They see the ship. They rush to look for the bomb, and it's gone. Yep. You know, big plot point moment. Yeah. There. So, so I'm trying to remember. That's that is that's a good plot point. Does Kurt Russell at that point tell the rest of the crew about the bomb, or does he just tell James? It's just James Spader, right? Like he tells him, or he doesn't even tell him then. I don't doesn't think. Even tell him then. It's just when he appears, he's like, "It's gone," and James Spader's like, "What's gone?" Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, that's they right. They learn that's right. in just a minute what's kind of going on. Yeah. But the bomb is missing. And then we see these like travel rings. Oh, yeah. Kind yeah. of pop down from the yeah, ceiling. Yeah. The sci fi elevator thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they're kind of overwhelmed and taken up to the throne room, so to speak. Right. The throne room isn't all that impressive. It's like just a chair. Right. So Ra comes out with all of his creepy little kids and yeah, servants. Yeah, that's and weird. Weird, it's weird, man. It's super weird. Real weird. They still kind of lean into it in the series a little bit, but they definitely dial it back. There's a lot of kids <laughs> in this scene, and they, those haircuts are very, very weird. There's I don't know if they're else. historical. It's like just little patches of hair. That I know. Like long yeah, ponytails. Like, yeah, ponytail, but shave everything else. Yeah. They all have sad little faces. Like, yep. you know, they're in some sort of Sarah McLaughlin video for <laughs> rescuing dogs. For, for uh, alien <laughs> Yeah, rescuing children alien children. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they look and kind of keeps them from, you know, maybe attacking him or whatever. But right. the Jaffa then reveal their faces and it makes it clear that they're 
human-esque. You'll yeah. learn in the series they're not actually humans. Oh, they're, interesting. They're genetically modified from humans for the purposes of incubating the parasite. Ah, uh, interesting. Like infants, so to speak. Okay, okay. But they look humans. They're based off of humans. Yeah. Jack grabs one of the weapons, magically knows how to use it. Yeah, knows, no, knows, knows how to wield it. any weapon. <laughs> yep. Kills one of the guys, one of the Jaffa, and then yep. Daniel kind of gets up to stop it, and he gets shot. Yep. Which is important. Uh, <laughs> Because Raw then gets up and kind of stops them, and his eyes are glowing. Interesting. Do you know about the eyes glowing thing? I, why they I, did that? I know about the fact that it was obviously purely added in post. Yeah. There was something else they were trying to disguise about it. What was it? There was something, another reason for that. They weren't trying to disguise anything. What it was is that audiences, initial test audiences, were very confused and didn't realize that Raw was an alien. <laughs> That's right. That's and right. And so to really reiterate that, they would make his eyes glow occasionally yeah. whenever he was angry or, or speaking or yeah. whatever to be like, oh, he's otherworldly. Right. I read they did something similar. Uh, there was a similar reasoning for the voice as well because whenever he talks, it's in that alien-esque sure, voice. Sure, yeah. I actually read that the actor, uh, Jay Davidson, was also very, very happy they did that because he was not a fan of the role in the movie. He hated everything yeah. about this movie. Yeah. James Spader did too. Yeah. James Spader didn't want to be in this movie. Yeah, he just did it for the money. He did it yeah. for the money, and then because he thought the script was so bad, it became intriguing to him. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, Jay Davidson <laughs> was the same way. He didn't really yeah. like it. Turns out that he also had certain body piercings yes. that the costume had to cover. They had to they, cover they, it I mean, all times. It just sounds like an absolute out. mess on scene, yes, like on, on the set rather, where they just had to deal with personalities yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's amazing this movie actually ended up being any good because yeah. of the personality issues. It really is. It really is. Raw gets up. He stops the fight. Who knows why he stops him from killing them. Throws <laughs> Jack into some water-based pit. Two aircraft take off, starts firing on the human settlement to kind of punish them yep. for helping the people. Yep. Daniel wakes up in the sarcophagus, sees one of the creepy kids holding a cat and follows him along. I just have to ask the question, why is nobody guarding him? He's just walking around yeah. this ship by himself. Yeah. He eventually walks into like the throne room. I think that's an extended scene. And then he walks up to where Ra is kind of getting ready. And Ra just kind of looks at him like, yeah, hey, what's up, man? He just walks away. Yeah. Nobody's concerned that this person is just walking around the yeah. ship and could just get into all sorts of trouble. Yeah, they don't care. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so then he kind of gives Daniel the, Ra gives Daniel the, the information. You know, I chose your race. Your bodies are so easy to yeah. repair. Does he mention the bomb thing at this yeah, point? That's yeah, that's whenever Daniel yeah. finds out about the bomb. Yeah. Well, no, Daniel and Jack see the bomb when they first get up there. And that's what that's Daniel right. realizes. That's right. What, yeah. Like, what were you thinking? What were you here yeah. for? Yeah. Indicates the minerals that they've been mining are going to increase the damage of the bomb a hundredfold. Raw wants Daniel to kill the team to prove that Raw is still in charge. That's right. That's have, right. But I wrote a question mark at the end of this because what good does that actually do, Raw? Again, it's just a plot point to, to right. move the story along and to have Daniel still be alive. Yeah, that's, that's and all And to showcase the sarcophagus can bring people back yeah. to life. Justifies but, it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Scar and uh, Sharu talk. They figure out what their history is. They now understand that they're kind of enslaved and that people on Earth kind of fought back. Mm -hmm. Then it's public execution time. <laughs> There's a whole lot of extras. Many of them are actually dummies, so people yes, would turn at some that, point yeah. and like, be talking to like a, a plastic dummy. <laughs> Basically really a scarecrow. Yeah. Daniel's supposed to execute the team. He doesn't do it. Yep. Scar uses the lighter to give Daniel a heads up. How would they have known to uh, do that? Yeah. No indication as to yeah. why Scara knew to do that. Yeah. Who taught these people how to use guns? Doesn't yep. matter. We got a real stormtrooper moment now where all these Jaffa come out and are shooting into the crowd but can't hit can't anybody. Can't hit anything. They're just wildly just shooting these lasers are like just into really the crowd. advanced weapons that can't hit anything. Zero targeting yeah. systems on any of these devices. Yeah. Yeah. They run back. They get back onto one of these yak-type creatures. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Scara says, you know, to our victory, and everyone's like, yay. Yeah. There's like yeah. very little actual reaction to him <laughs> talking right. about winning. All right, all right. Yeah. They learn about the bomb. <laughs> the mission that Jack was here for was always to die. Jack came yeah. here knowing he was going to die. Yeah. Blowing up this bomb. Did, okay, so here's a, here's a question for you. Did Kurt Russell's character, Jack, did he 100% think that this was a one-way trip, he was going to die, or was it, if you find a threat, then blow it up? Because I thought he said... Technically, they say, like, oh, if you find a threat, but I think Jack's character, I think Jack, the character, yeah. never expected to come back, was never planning to come back. He just was assumed a one-way trip that was a... Right. The whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that plays into the character and plays into his, the end of this movie, the third act of this movie we're kind of entering yeah. into, where he kind of has a change of heart a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. We cut back to Raw a little bit, who gets disappointed in his Jaffa and melts a dude's brain <laughs> with, yep. the, with a palm device. Melts his brain, yeah. You learn later that the gold actually have some of this this Naquita in their blood, and that's why they can control these, these oh, weapons. Oh, interesting. The element is in their blood. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, then... We kind of cut, there's scenes, there's some fighting and things like that. And yeah. then we get back to the pyramid where the Air Force guys are kind of disguised as just regular workers. Yep. And one of my favorite scenes in this movie happens. Kurt, it's great. character, looks up. It's great. Kind of gets hit on the shoulder and he goes, how you doing? Yeah. And I raises his eyebrow yeah. and just Smiles blows at the him, guy away. Blows him just away. blasts him. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> It's Wink, really funny. Smile, yes. blow him away. <laughs> Just blew him away. It's great. Um, you know, I've actually watched that scene a few times. I think it originally was just him winking and smiling. And then adding the how you doing uh, in ADR, which is where you go and record something oh, after really? the fact. Because okay. if you watch it, you don't see him say on screen, hey, how you doing? It's just the smile and the wink. Oh, really? So I think they added it later just to add that extra layer of <laughs> well, like, great. he's being ridiculous. I'm in so this glad moment. they added it. Yeah, me too. It's a really funny me line too. right it's there. It's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so they're there. It's kind of this big fight that is now happening. There's more aircraft who can't hit anything. Daniel's lady friend gets shot. Yeah. And he takes her up to the sarcophagus to heal her. Yeah. Jack is like, what are you doing? This bomb is now set. We've got like six minutes. Yeah. Before this is going to go off. The bomb is ticking. Go for so it. So the bomb's ticking. Yeah. Like you said, like six minutes left. Yep. All right. Daniel doesn't know... Unless unless we miss something or I miss something, Dan doesn't know how long it takes this medical sarcophagus to fix the body. <laughs> That's such body. a good point. I never thought right. about that. And it's like, it could take like 12 hours. And like, we don't know the degree of damage. Who knows? Yeah. But he goes up there and he just assumes it should take like five minutes to well, fix he gets her entire a, he body. He gets in the <laughs> elevator thing and he's just like, don't leave without me. Yeah, he's and like, he's wait gone. for me. And just disappears. <laughs> okay. And, and Jack's just like, what are you doing, man? It's a total jerk move yeah. to yeah. do that. Just leave him there, abandon him. And by this point in the movie, we've also learned that technically Daniel is married to her because of the, stuff, because of the ceremony that happened right. earlier. Right, right. He yep. reacts to that. I think at this point he's actually kissed her because I, he, I they've, they've had a moment together, yeah. and it's kind of an awkward, weird it moment is. kiss. It is. So then we cut back. The bomb is ticking. Kowalski runs out to get the attention of the aircraft, and I only mentioned that because I wanted to say Kowalski again. I know. I know. It's okay. Daniel grabs Shauri again. <laughs> My note again here says, how you didn't know how long it was going to take for the device to work. <laughs> And then how was he planning on teleporting back down? Because the only way to use those things right. was to have the little the, wristband the, the, device. The, yeah, he didn't have one of those. Yeah. How was he getting back down? Yeah. This guy doesn't care. He's an idiot. No, he's just, he's got a saver. Ross starts melting Daniel's brain. 
I would assume that that device is doing some kind of incremental damage during I would this think process. So. I don't think it's just like a, oh, it goes nothing zero to hundred. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing happens until it like it's like a it's microwave a and it flip. dings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Daniel's brain's got to be slightly scrambled at this point. Yeah. Jack kills another Jaffa with the transporter. It's a pretty brutal scene. It's a great death. It is a, a great, great death. Great uh, moment there. That whole scene, I'm just going to say now that that's a great fight. Yeah. The guard, what, what's the name of it? Jaffa? Jaffa really has the upper hand. But then you see Kurt Russell start to turn it around, yep. and he does the trip move yep. from behind. Mm-hmm. And you can see as soon as he uh, hits the button on the on the guy's hand, uh, the guy starts freaking out because you know, he knows, oh, he knows, he knows he's going to get his head cut off. Yeah. But at the same time, it might that might be my favorite line in the movie. Yes. Where Kurt Russell says, give my regards to King Tut. <laughs> yes, it's written here. I love that line so much. It's really good. Give my regards to King Tut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's so great. It's perfect. great. Expletive deleted there at the end. Yes. Yeah. It's really funny. It's a great line. I remember even as a kid, I was like, yeah. Oh, Get it's him, Kurt. so yeah. funny. It it's hammers really, it really good. It's really good. And again, a great, clever use of that elevator as a killing device. Yeah, it really <laughs> it does, is. Good, it really, yeah. really kind of cuts through that guy uh, pretty efficiently. So all so. this happens. <laughs> Ra isn't happy when he sees the head of his Jaffa yeah. come back up and get revealed. Yeah, because it gets Daniel transported. Escaped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've established that apparently those devices are two-way devices. Like someone can right. someone else is going yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack tries to turn off the bomb, and uh-oh, it won't turn off. Won't turn off. And there's a panic moment between him and Daniel, like, why won't this thing turn off? Yep. It's clear that it's been rigged to just yep. blow. Attack of the, the people, they come out of, like, the sand, and they start oh, to Oh, yeah, attack. the whole, like, population, the whole yep. town. So the Jaffa are out there, and they're looking around. What's interesting to me is their helmets that kind of come up yeah. out of nothing. Like, they like yeah. don't exist at any level, and they just yeah. magically appear on their heads. Yeah. But, like, there's, like, little tiny heads at the top of it. Like yeah, the little dog head thing. Those little yeah. dog heads yeah. start moving around and yeah. looking on their own. Yeah. But they're definitely above their actual eyes right. and stuff. Right, right. So, I don't know. Yeah, I want to know the inner mechanisms there. Is it Are they are they able it's to like see that? like a periscope? Yeah, mini periscope inside. <laughs> yeah, like, security camera, basically, pan around. I don't know. So the people are attacking, stuff's going wrong, but this bomb is about to go off, and it's going to go off at, like the biggest nuclear device that's <laughs> ever. ever been detonated. Yeah. Roz had enough at this point. He's done. He's leaving. The ship starts to take off, and what do you know? Another eureka moment, Joe. Yep. We'll send the bomb They both to look Ra. at each other. Yeah. And the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's almost like, are you thinking what I'm thinking moment? Yeah. So in less than a minute, this is, this is the issue for me here, Joe. Mm-hmm. In less than a minute, Roz's ship has to get him into space. Yeah. There's no way that that spaceship took off at the speed that it was taking off and was that far above the above planet. Above the planet, yeah. By the yeah. time they used the little elevator Yeah, thing. at the speed it was moving, no, it doesn't make it, any it sense. It was moving way too slow. Yeah. It, it takes, you know, actual spaceships and stuff yeah. minutes to get yeah. into orbit Yeah. and longer to get into that high of an orbit. Right. Movie magic. Suspension Movie of magic. disbelief. Yeah. He gets up there. They teleport this bomb. Like as it's about to go off, you can see the alien face inside the human face, and then kaboom, yep. the ship is destroyed. Yep. I mean, it's got a very similar vibe to uh, Independence Day. Yes, where, where it's like kind of cheering, cheering, and I can't remember. Are parts of it raining down, or they just see the explosion? They the just atmosphere. see the explosion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Scar and his buddies salute Jack. What I noted here is they all have perfect teeth. Yeah. Every one of those planets has real good teeth. Good skin. Yeah, <laughs> great skin. Super clear skin. They're all doing real good. Yep. Uh, Jack says goodbye to Scar. And what I like is that at this point now, you've kind of gotten this indication that Jack again has a reason 
to kind yeah. of continue. Like, yeah, he, he really did. I'm trying to remember where the pivot was because his character really changed Kurt Russell's character. He because he's obviously very different at the end. He's, you see he's, him slowly changing. You see him caring right. about Scara particularly yeah. and the, the other people yeah. more and more over the course of the movie. Yeah, but it doesn't really truly pivot in my mind until this point. Yeah, the very like, end of the movie. It feels like the first time he smiles. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they blow up this ship. They accomplish the mission. Yeah, they save all these people. He found a purpose in protecting people yeah. and helping people once again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got so, you. At that point, then the team is just going through the Stargate. They're all pretty happy. They are very thankful to Daniel for yep. finding out how to dial that thing. Yep. And Jack just looks at Daniel, just says, are you sure you want to do this? And that's it. Jack walks through and end sequence. End yeah. Title. End sequence. One more, uh, kind of light speed, uh, yeah, just a real quick thing. One, yeah. yeah. And that's it. And then credits. So I got two things for you. First one is, from the beginning of the series, does it pick up pretty soon after this? Do you remember? So the series picks up, not immediately after this. Daniel has been on this other planet for a while. Something happens. Technically, Daniel's wife gets taken, oh. and he wants help to kind of find her. And the whole, um, the major plot point for the Daniel Jackson character in the first, like, five seasons is finding his wife and, and getting her back kind of thing. Okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. Second one is, yeah. speaking of Daniel's wife, uh-huh. how big was your crush on her? I do remember when I was younger, <laughs> like certainly having a movie crush yes. on her. I don't even know the actress's name. I don't. I, I remember looking at it, and I remember uh, she has. She's not in much else. Yeah, I think. I think she's stunning. I think she's very. She's very sweet. She's very beautiful. Yeah, I think she was uh, great in the movie. So yeah. yeah, just big crush on her ever since I was you know twelve or whatever. I don't really have much else. We kind of went through it all. No, that's the whole movie. I mean, it's it's yeah. a very it's two hours. It's a two hour runtime. It's of this tight, movie, though. but it goes fast. It does. It they get into the action movie. fast. They end the movie fast. Yes, it really does. It's fast, man. Man, in terms of the Kurt Russell uh, uh, pantheon, I think this one's pretty high up there. The movie itself, like it's a, and we're not getting into performance of him yet, but I think the movie itself. It's it's quality, man. I think again, it stood the test of time pretty well. Yeah, and I think such it's a, a diamond in the around it. of movies for him, where yeah. it wasn't expected to do well. It wasn't one that he was super excited about at first to do. Yep, but it really delivers. It, it definitely does. It definitely, as I said earlier, it, it really reminds me a lot of early, early, almost like prototype Independence Day. Like even like the shape of the ships and the energy based weapons and the kind of the headquarters with all the guys at the computers and everything. It feels like he was really warming up for that movie in this one, which is really interesting. I don't know. I, I think it's a, a dynamite, a dynamite one, especially being again thirty years old. I think it holds up pretty well. Yeah, it holds so, up great. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot, I guess that uh, is that when it comes to the plot. I think we nailed it. Sweet. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do this. Let's take a bait. Let's take a bake. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break and then come back and talk about the uh, performances and rules and all that good stuff. All right. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Let's talk about uh, a little bit about Kurt's performance. Let's talk about the rules we're going to learn, all that fun stuff. I'm going to kick off something, a little topic here. We didn't really get into this during the, the beginning of the first act of the movie, but what do we think... This, this plays into the performance. What do we think of Kurt's look in this movie as a soldier? Do we, I know we talked about the hair. What do we th- think about him? Because Yeah, I wanted to talk about it too. Okay, okay. I think he looks really strong as a soldier here. Yeah. I think in both ways. The early scene where we first meet him, I think it's portrayed very well. I think he has just a brief moment mm. to get across that feel of a broken down, yeah. but otherwise kind of straight-laced kind of guy. And then when he comes back in dressed 
in his uniform. Yeah. I don't know. It's very evocative of a of your classic 90s vibe for what a soldier would look like. Yeah. He's got like a strong... He always has that kind of like a strong kind of sculpted angular face a little bit. Yeah. Like it looks like a almost like a Ken doll or something like a toy soldier come to life. My only Here's my only thing, my only little nitpick. When I was a younger man, say when I was like 12 or 13. Okay. I remember looking at this and be like, man, Kurt Russell's such, he's like muscular, big guy. Looking at this, he's pretty lean in this. Yes, very much so. I thought he was bigger in this, like more muscular, but he really has a very lean physique in this. He almost looks smaller than he did when he played Snake in Escape from New York. I could see that. But it could also be that the outfits that he's wearing. could be Yeah, it could be the outfit. He wears a lot of black, element. slimming, yeah. all that good stuff. But I was kind of surprised by that when I watched it this time because he's it is a very lean physique, and he's definitely in the last like 20 years, I think, obviously, he's, become, he's an older man, but filled out quite a bit. Sure. Not just gain weight, but I mean literally. As we like, all do. Yeah, as we all do. But his body has just gotten like thicker. Like, I feel like his forearms and his arms are just kind of thicker, kind of, you know. But even in, like, Big Trouble and a couple other movies, right. he just has a bigger exactly feel to him yes. than he does in this movie. No, I exactly. totally agree. I noticed it, too. He definitely has a slimmer look. But that's a really good point. Like, Big Trouble's a good point because he's he's not big, big in that movie, but he still has some muscle on him. He's got some size. But in this one, it looks like he lost, like, 20 pounds yeah. of all that. Uh, so that was interesting. But still a good soldier, you know, very fit. Special I think so. forces type guy. Had to bring that up. We didn't talk about it before, but want to talk about it. For anyone that doesn't know, um, what we tend to do is we rate Kurt's performance on a scale we call the Goldies. Now, uh, Goldie Hawn, obviously uh, Kurt Russell's partner, we we base this on what we we think she would think of his performance. I guess I'll go ahead and kick it off here. Sure. You, you made some really good points earlier that I'll echo here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that. He does a pretty much a 180 throughout the entire movie, gradually going from, as we said earlier, kind of despondent, depressed, angry, to eventually he really kind of turns it around and, and kind of learns that he has something else to live for here, protecting other people. It's a nice transition. Mm-hmm. I think he also, in terms of the weight of the role, like you said, the opening scene, he really nails that, whatever that is, like the 60 second scene maybe? If that. If that. I'm sure. Uh, he really communicates quickly how how heavy this man, like the burden that he's carrying as a, as a previous father. Having said all that, and obviously I'm, I'm also counting what we've talked about, his look for the role, because he does look good. I think the haircut and just, he just looks like a good soldier, like a military type. He just, he has that look. I think Goldie would give this an eight out of 10 for Kurt. I think this is pretty high. Again, a lot of the movies, he's kind of stoic. He's kind of angry. You don't really see him smile to the end, but he does a lot with that. You could argue that that's a bit one dimensional, but he, there's a lot of, character and I think little moments he brings to that kind of, again, depressed, kind of angry person. So I'm going to give an 8 out of 10 for those reasons. I think that's fair. Mm. For me, this movie is really up there. I genuinely think that Kurt's performance ties a lot of this movie together. Mm. His portrayal really helps to ground the other characters in my mind. When Mm. they're going through the portal for the first time, he has a look on his face that really gives it a lot of weight. Yeah. Like he is going through this for a different reason yeah. in a different way. Whereas the other characters have a look of either confusion or wonder. And it's a great yeah. mixture. I yeah. really like the mixture of it. It is a good, yeah, balance. But I think his performance in this movie can really be judged on those small moments mm. that really drive home what the character is. Yeah. The little 45 to 60 seconds at the beginning, yep. the brief moment you see him walking through the portal. Yeah, that's a good moment. Some of the yeah. reactions that he has. He doesn't have a ton of lines or a ton of action in this thing yeah. necessarily. 
he just portrays the character very well quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, with all that in mind, I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10. Oh, so maybe that extra 0.5 is because of my love of the series in general, but right. I think it's worthy. It's a worthy performance. Okay. Eight and a half. So we got an 8.25 on the goalie scale. Let me ask you this as a quick follow up to that. We've talked about the series quite a bit. Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. Uh, I always loved him as a kid. He was MacGyver. Yeah. He was in some other things, obviously, like he was in a Stargate series, and he was in various other kind of projects here and there. How does his performance... Sure. You said it was different. It is different. How does it stack up to the legendary Kurt Russell's performance? He does a great job as Jack O'Neill okay. in the series. His Jack O'Neill is just a little bit lighter and goofier okay. than the one that Kurt played. It's, yeah. a, it's the same guy, but a different character in many ways. Yeah. But he does a great job. That's cool. It's a good character. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's a great role. Again, we got 8.25 here. As with all things he's in, I really think, as we said, he, he just elevates the movie being in He really it. does. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a great point you make, that he really kind of ties a lot of the movie together. I think it, it's kind of a two-hander. It's like him and James Spader, the ones we're really most concerned about, and we have they have the most screen time, that type of thing. It's cool seeing the balance of their different approaches to this entire scenario. That wonder, as you said, that James Spader has, especially when they're going through the portal, Yeah, compared to Kurt's reaction. To like He's like gritting his teeth, and he's like, I'm going to walk through this, and this is the end of it. You know, It's really good. Um, yeah, I think he's really strong in this. It's nice to see him doing something Again, so serious. Yes, at the, yet at the end, he kind of opens it up a little bit. You see some of those nice smiles and moments from him. So, yeah, I think that's fair. 8.25. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fair. All right, let's get on to what we named this show for. Let's get on to the rules <laughs> here, okay? Again, for anyone who doesn't know, this is where we establish some of the rules that we can take away from Kurt Russell uh, and his performance in the movie. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change up here. I'm going to kick it over to you, Ian. All right, I'll let's, go first. Let's hear what you got. My first one is check your corners. Okay, throughout that's good. The, yeah, throughout this movie, there's a lot of times where they're kind of fighting an overwhelming force or an advanced force, and what we see early on is the team kind of gets waylaid and they all get knocked out. And when Kurt comes back later, yeah. he's checking his corners a little better. So right. it's just a reminder, if you're going to be running headlong into something that's challenging or risky, just make sure to check your corners. I like that. That's pretty good. I have a feeling you and I are going to have some, not overlap, but the tone of our rules is probably going to overlap a little bit. I could be wrong. We'll see. Okay, okay, okay. My first one is don't judge a book by its cover. Okay, I like that. Now, now what I mean by that is you could, you could take that a few different ways. What I mean by that is obviously there's a few layers of why Kurt doesn't want to give the... <laughs> The tribe, I guess, the, the people, the guns. People, sure, yeah. Yeah, because they don't know how to use them. Yeah. But uh, my overall takeaway from that is they end up coming in and saving the day and saving his butt. Yeah. And they're able to come out of there. Totally. And they end up all kind of banding together and really kind of being a, a squad or an army at the end to really take over Raw. So I think there was a little bit of a expectation that, that Jack's character had that they were you know, probably not that smart to know how to handle themselves at all. But really, at the end of the day, they were able to revolt and kind of save their planet. Yeah, so I like that. What do you got for number two? Number your, two your is be open to finding a new purpose. Oh, that's good. Jack's character. Well, Kurt's character, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Jack is in this movie and he is just done. He's willing to do yeah. a sacrifice mission yeah. almost without second thought. Yep. He's just given up on life entirely. Yep. But by the end of this movie, he's found this new purpose in helping these people on Abydos and the overall idea of getting his team back and 
doing more of these missions in the future, I guess. Right. That's cool. Even if times are tough or even if one particular chapter is coming to an end, just be open to finding a new purpose in life. I like that. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, I thought we had some, some real bangers on this list. Yeah. 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 All right. This one, this one for me, this is my number two. Sure. This one's a bit on the lighter side. You only get one chance to make a first impression. Okay. And then I'm talking about when we said earlier, when, when Kurt Russell is revealed in his soldier mm-hmm. uh, attire, when he's kind of cleaned himself up, he says, uh, I was told it was 10,000. I'm Colonel Jack O'Neill. Like just coming in <laughs> confidently, just establishing who you are. Say your name with confidence. Don't be afraid to speak up and let the people know like who's in charge, who's running things. Yeah. And I think he does that very well. So one chance to make a good first impression, and I think he nails it on this one. So, Agreed. Yep. Yep. All right. My last one is to never underestimate those pesky humans. Oh. Ra just <laughs> thought they were worthless, kind of just left them in the mines. Denver thought they could ever fight back. Uh-huh. But we're scrappy. That's right. We always find a way yeah. to kind of punch back and win at the end of the day. Yeah. I like that. You know what? That reminds me of Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It, so <laughs> there was a story I heard about the first Die Hard movie that when they were not pitching the idea, but the director, John McTiernan, he was talking about in his mind, he always had, when you're talking about John McClane, Bruce Willis's character, he pictured a mouse under the shadow of a big like falcon, like the falcon was coming down to swoop down and eat it. Sure. And the mouse just giving it the finger. Okay. And so that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> I think it reminds me of that image of like, look, we're uh, capable. We can get dirty. We will we'll uphill battle. We will fight tooth and nail to win the day. So just to clarify, <laughs> my never underestimate those pesky humans reminds you of a story about the production yeah. of Die Hard. Yeah, it very much does. Got it. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, well, I'm glad, <laughs> glad to evoke that imagery <laughs> in your mind. <laughs> All right, my number three is mind your surroundings. Now, there's a lot of ways you can interpret this. Mm -hmm. However, you see very early on when Kurt is in the presence of uh, Raw Mm -hmm. and one of the Jaffa tap the thing on his wrist to make the elevator go back down or up, whatever it's doing. He looks down and he sees him tap on that thing. Mm -hmm. And that reminds him at the end when he's fighting him that all he has to do is hit that button and it'll come down and kill the guy. So my point is, always be on the lookout. There could be some sort of cheat or something around that could help you get through a situation. And namely in this, he was able to see that little thing on his gauntlet he was wearing, smash it on the ground, and you know dispatch the uh, gentleman he was fighting. Yeah. So that's mind just surrounding. It sounds very general, but specifically, I mean, if there happens to be a, if, <laughs> if you're, you're fighting, fighting Jaffa, an Egyptian, you're Jaffa. fighting a Jaffa. <laughs> <laughs> look for the corners you get that, look yeah. for the look for the button that works the elevator that's what I have would you mind reading your three to me again yeah so my three are be open to finding a new purpose check your corners yep. and never underestimate those pesky humans and just to clarify mine are don't judge a book by its cover you only get one chance to make a first impression and mind your surroundings yep what do you have for your your top of mind. Yeah, I know which one I like of yours. It's don't judge a book by its cover. Oh, interesting. I think it factors really well into the performance and the character in this movie, and I like it. So nice. I picked it. 
Okay. That's all I got. All right. That, hey, that's pretty straightforward. I like it. Um, I'm going to go with my gut and say, be open to finding a new purpose. Sure. That's a good, you know, I, I like the sentiment. I like the fact that, you know, a lot of us can become downtrodden or doubtful or sad at times about the situation we're in or something that might have happened. But at the same time, if you open your eyes and kind of look around to your friends, your family, your job, uh, you you could find, I don't know, something else to be passionate for, something yeah. else to live for, something along those lines. And so I think that's a good one. I think that's a good takeaway, man. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't come up with that one as well, because that was a good rule. Like, <laughs> well, I really, I really uh, hear, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, duh, because uh, I'm watching the movie for Kurt and his whole turn as a character it's like that's that's what the movie is. More yeah, or less. like that's his arc, and so I wish I would have thought of it. But it's a good one. Well, cool, great. All right, that's uh, that gives us our rules. That gives us our performance. Let me go ahead and wrap this thing up here. Uh, we we've kept y'all listening for quite a while here. Um, next episode, we are going to be reviewing uh, the 1990s thriller uh, Executive Decision. Uh, I cannot wait to talk. I about cannot this one. wait to talk about yeah. that movie. <laughs> It's gonna be fun. It's very rich. There's a lot to explore there. A lot of a lot of people in it. A lot of uh, story elements there. I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's so much to get into with that one. And as always, thank you all for listening. This has been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Great movie. Please go watch Stargate if you have not seen it, uh, and go watch the series. Yeah, as well. I might yeah. have to do that. Yeah, you should watch the series. It's absolutely yeah. worth it. Yeah. It. I mean, I, I need to check it out. Been out for 25 years. It's about time <laughs> I get to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, cool. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been amazing, and we will see you next time on Russell Rules. Bye, everybody.